Okay, I think the little hand and the big hand, as you can see right here, is that particular time. Uh, welcome to the prayer and meditation panel, Entering the World of the Spirit. Um, welcome. Uh, my name is Victor, and I am a compulsive reader and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now. We remind you that this session is being taped. All speakers must sign the release form, which we've already talked about. Uh, to protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The only uh, audio is the one that's being recorded right now. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will share for 20 minutes each, followed by questions from the floor uh, that are directed to the panelists. And the topic, for, as we've already mentioned for this session, is prayer and meditation entering the world of the spirit. And the following is a reading from the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, pages 99 through 100. We who have once suffered from complete powerlessness to control our eating and our lives have now discovered the saving strength of a power greater than ourselves. We have experienced the miracle of physical, emotional, and spiritual healing, just as we were promised when we began these steps. For most of us, the central factor in this spiritual awakening has been our decision to trust a higher power with every aspect of our lives. And acting on that decision one day at a time, we have learned a whole new set of skills for living which enable us to clear from our lives everything which might interfere with our trust in the higher power. Now we know we don't have to fear anything that comes to us. Even when things happen to us we don't like, we know we have a way of facing each situation squarely and sanely. We have seen that our higher power will reveal something of value to us with every experience as long as we continue practicing this new way of life. And our first speaker is Barbara R. Yay. Yay. From San Diego. Hi, my name is Barbara, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. And by the grace of God, the 12 steps. Barbara. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. I'm Barbara, compulsive overeater. Hi. And by the grace of God, the 12 steps, and all of you guys, I've been able to release 70 pounds for 36 years. That's not me today, and it never has been me. I'm a compulsive overeater. Once I started to eat, I could not stop. When certain things went into my body, as much as I wanted to, I could not stop. Today, I just don't have to, that the obsession's been removed, and that's not me. But what I'm going to talk about today is where I came from, a little bit about where I came from, uh, how I got here to OA, and um, where I am now, and how letting go of ego has changed my life. And I'll try, if I can remember to do it, I'll try and bring those into each kind of area we're talking about. Okay, I was in the, before I knew about the director's chair out of the big book, I was in the director's chair. I knew what was best for you, I knew what was best for you, and I didn't have any problem sharing that with you. I was always right, and nothing was ever my fault. I had no relationship with a higher power. I had gotten rid of that somewhere in college. Um, it, you know, 
that's who I was. Not really a sweet, loving, kind person, but uh, thought I was. Thought I was. And couldn't understand at all why people had any resentments at me or got mad at me. I just totally didn't understand that. I also, before I came to here, uh, even when I got to OA, one of the things that came out of my mouth was, well, you know, I've really been thinking about it, and I really don't think I have any character defects. <laughs> and they just laughed at me and told me to keep coming back. And they were right. They were right. They were right. Um, uh, how I got here is um, I saw Dave Wine and Roses once on television and, and a movie. And I thought, oh, my God, that would be so wonderful to have somebody help me and lead me out of this walking dead that I was in. That would be so wonderful. And so I found out about it, and I said, oh, shit, I don't want, I'm, I don't want that. I, that's not for me. Then uh, uh, somebody that I was working with uh, went to OA, and she gave me a copy of Gray Sheet, and she was talking about how wonderful it was. And then she was dying, and she was on her deathbed, and she asked me, and she was still excited about it and wanted to know how I liked OA. And I lied, and I told her it was really awesome, and thank you so much. But I threw everything away that she gave me. What stopped me was the word God. And um, I never got past that, so I didn't read the rest of the steps. And then looking at the food plan, I'm going, are you kidding? So no, none, of that, none of that worked for me. But anyway, I got tricked. An 18-year-old girl tricked me into coming to this meeting, and I was really mad. Um, sat in the back of the room, crossed my arms, and dared anybody to come sit by me. And they didn't. It was remarkable. Anyway. But... It was uh, There was an hour's beginner's meeting and then an hour and a half regular meeting. And that was the first ego reduction that I want to talk about. That very night, I took the first part of the first step. I admitted I was powerless over food. A lot of people talked at that meeting. They all talked a language that I understood. I never knew that I had a disease. I thought I was just a moral issue. I just thought I was a bad person, weak-willed, defective, you name it, just keep going on. That's what I thought I was, but I didn't know that it was a disease and that it was physical, emotional, and spiritual. And where I was at at that time, emotional and spiritual, I never even heard. But the physical I grabbed onto and that the allergy of the body... um, One day at a time, Um, you're not going to die. I'm not going to die between breakfast and lunch. Uh, And I'm definitely not going to die between dinner and breakfast the next morning. Things that I thought would happen if I didn't have my fixes. That was the first time that I knew that there was nothing I could ever do about my addiction There was nothing I ever tried worked. What people have said to me, frothy emotional appeals never worked, though I heard them and I felt them, but went right back out, right, eating. Doctors didn't help. Diet clubs didn't help. Nothing didn't help. So maybe OA could. And again, I couldn't handle the God word, so what OA became my higher power. Um, I worked, I took the first part of the first steps, and they talk about half measures avail is nothing. Um, but I totally, totally took the first step. I think that's the first part, excuse me, first part of the first step, and I think that's the only thing I've ever ever been able to do 100%. I just, inside of me, deep down, I know that I'm a compulsive overeater, and I will never, ever be a normal eater, but one day at a time, I can follow the 12 steps and a food plan. So anyway, that's how I started. Um, I work the steps. Um, I... uh, 
got, I've been in step studies for probably 34 of the 36 years I've been in the program, committed ones. I totally believe in doing the steps. Um, except for, for a long period of time in my program, 10 and 11 were as needed. <laughs> now, how can a person abstain and all this stuff and still think 10 and 11 are as needed, but I, I did. I, I don't know why. I don't know why this happened to me. I, I, I have no idea why. But um, I would, when something was desperate or I was banging my head against the wall or whatever, I would use prayer and meditation. Um, I would look at what I had been, look at my part in things. I mean, I did the big fourth, and I looked at that, but then I was cured, you know, but anyway, uh, beside the point. But, you know, half measures, uh, uh, fear for the, for taking the second part of the first step and that my life became unmanageable, there was all kinds of fear around there. If I really, I mean, God took the session, I know that, but he might not do my life part right. Just, you know, if I, I might not get what I want, he might do it wrong. You know, faith, they say faith is a result of results, and I have had so many results in my life still. Oh, and then they also say something about us being a little defiant. And I think I was a little defiant on, on, on those two. But going along in the program, a, a few years back, I did a, a really in-depth uh, big book study, and I, and I got the message. I got the message of the director's chair and that I needed to get out of the director's chair when it came to my life, uh, your life, anything. Uh, Am I perfect at it? No. But what I do now is I do work the 10th step um, most days and the 11th step most days. Um, And when I don't, the results... Prove it because we talk uh, in the big book. In the big book, we talk about restless, irritable, discontent, and easily pissed off. I can get there real quick. Maybe I can have three days of not doing the tenth and eleventh step. Maybe I can have that, and then those start creeping in. And then they also on page fifty-two talk about the bedevilments. Nothing's going right, and I'm blaming you know all of that stuff. That starts to creep back in, but it doesn't take me. But to get there to remember where I came from, and, oh, my God, I don't ever want to go back there again. So that was the second ego reduction, but that one, that one wasn't, isn't permanent every day. And, and there's nothing in our steps. The only thing I think that we can do semi-perfectly in the steps is the first step. The rest of them, we just have to keep working them over and over and over again. Um, for prayer... My prayers used to be, um, oh, can I, I, I need a date for Saturday night. Can I have a date, God? Uh, I was a lot younger then. This was in high school and, and in college. Those were the kind of prayers. Oh, I wish I had that. Oh, I wish I had this. And, uh, and they were never answered, so, you know, I just kind of threw, threw all that away. The prayers are different today. It's... Um, they some I write out. Uh, well, some are some are like the seventh step prayer, the third step prayer, uh, the uh, serenity prayer, um, and then there's ones that I make up, and it's depending on how I'm at, where I'm at, and it's a God help me be of service today, uh, help me give back to OA, help me do a good job with my sponsors, help me, uh, you know, help me say the right words so that I can be understood. Um, 
so I can keep on track. I have a real problem with that. Uh, um, they're, they're simple little prayers, and they're always ended with, your will be done, not mine. And those can happen any time during the day. Uh, another time that I, I use prayer, and it's, just, it's, say, it's still prayer, but it's just a little bit different. It's when I've got a list of things that I have to do. There's a ton of them. You've got to do this and this and this and this and this. And my little brain, thank you, my little brain is telling me, I can't do it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And so I start getting backed into the director's chair trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. And so I'll just stop and say, okay, God, um, um, I'll do all of it. It's here. I'll do all of it. But can you show me how? And I just ask for help. And um, two days later, I think back and, oh, my God, everything got done. Or as it's happening, I'm thanking God. Is I don't know why it happens, but it does. I, I've given up trying to do it myself, and I've asked my higher power. Oh, and by the way, my higher power in the beginning was OA. Today is a large set of arms that's always there for me, loves me. When I'm really being dramatic, I can run and jump into those arms, and uh, or I can just sit and rest in them. Um, I, uh, my God has a sense of humor, and where I get off track, if he can't get my attention one way, he'll get it with humor another way. But that, that, that's, that's my higher power, and that's how I came into the program. N- stayed away from the program for years because of the word God. That's how it works for me today, and it is the most important relationship that I have. Meditation. Um, there's a lot of different ways that I've done meditation. Um, the best ones are really when somebody else is guiding guiding me. But uh, one that I used for years when I worked, I had about a 20-minute ride to work. And you know, people, I'm driving my car, but I'm driving my car. Okay, I know, you laugh. But it really did work for me. I, <laughs> it, um, I could shut up and slow down and ask God what I need to know, what I need to do. And that just quieted my brain down enough. I didn't turn the radio on or anything. That just quieted my brain down enough that that answers came to me, uh, thoughts came to me, and they weren't of my own making. Um, then I retired, and so that one left. But um, I, uh, I like to do it, uh, like to meditate with music. Um, it soothes me. Um, I have a real, I have a lot of trouble shutting up my head, you know, stop it from talking. And sometimes music will just get, my, my body will get into it, and that will relax my head some so I don't have to think about it. Um, another one that I did and, and I do is the prayer from St. Francis of Assisi. Um, I started doing this when I was working, and I would, I would walk maybe a mile or whatever. I'd, I'd walk at lunchtime. And so I started doing the prayer from St. Francis of Assisi, and I would breathe out um, this uh, despair and I, as I'm walking, and then I would breathe in hope. I would just breathe out one negative and breathe in the other, and that helped calm me down. I'm still, I'm walking and I'm on streets, but I was on a safe one. I didn't have to cross any streets. And so that cleared my mind and um, made me think of what those words were in that prayer. Uh, Another one is the um, 
freedom from bondage prayer. I can say it wrote, just blah, 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 blah. But stop and look and kind of meditate on each word. That helps. There's something out of the big book. Um, I'm not perfect at it, but um, God's sense of humor of when I don't do it, I, he gets me back. So at the end of day, they talk about <clears throat> looking at the words resentment, um, selfish, de, uh, delusion, not delusional, I'm delusional. Uh, what is it? Dishonest. Dishonest. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, um, de- fears, amends. And so um, um, I'm just going to kind of do a little one that crops up every now and then, go through them with you on how I do it. I, I usually write this out. Um, and sometimes there's a lot more, but the one I did today was not much. Marissa is a seven-year-old granddaughter, um, and my um, was resentful because she would not listen to me. And um, I was selfish because I should be respected and honored. I am the adult. And um, the delusion was that I'm always right. And the fear was um, that I'm not good enough and I'm not respected. So what happens is that fear that I had drives the delusion that, um, that I'm always right. And that delusion derives the selfish thinking that I should be respected, I should be honored. And, the, um, and that selfishness then goes to the resentment. So if I can stay, bottom line, if I can stay out of the fear, I'm not going to build a delusion and build the selfish thinking and acting and then go into the resentment. Anyway, just that's an aside. But amends, I will make them if I have to. If I, if I see something in my writing that I didn't deal with when I was uh, um, thinking during the day, then I'll make an amends. Kind and loving, um, that's real important to me because I can be really short and quick and stuff like that, and it can be perceived as not kind and loving, so I really pray for that a lot. What can I have done better in just about every day is I could pray more and I could meditate more. Um, and <clears throat> done with others, I sponsor a, a large number of people, and I listen to them, and I work with them. So I've done that. Then there's on awakening. You, you, you look at the day, and, and you give that to God. And, and I heard earlier that that doesn't mean that you just got up out of bed. It could mean that you just got out of a crazy thought in your head, and all of a sudden you awoke and go, oh, that one's, that one's not good. So you, that's another awakening. That's the time you can say, okay, God, what can I do? Um, how can I be of service? Um, you, know, if, if, you know, sometimes I get down to, okay, God, I need a little help here. Um, if, if you could just show me what to do next. It, yeah. Anyway. This program works. 10 and 11 are incredible steps. The whole program works. Um, I think I'm done. I just want to thank you for letting me talk. Okay. Thank you, Barbara. And the next speaker up is Skylar S. He's from Vancouver, B.C., and that's B.C. as in geography. Hi, everybody. My name is Skylar. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, I'm from Vancouver. We drove up here. Um, I drove up with some friends. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks. Um, 
my story. There we go. I'll bend down a bit. There we go. Um, my story. I, uh, as a child growing up, I uh, grew up in suburbia. I had a normal, you know, a normal dysfunctional family. Um, my, uh, I had an alcoholic father, and my family was the big family. Um, my family was the large family on the block. We were all really big. My mom, my dad, my brother, sister, and. For me, that was, you know, it was just the way it was. There was the skinny family next door and the skinny family up the street and the other moderately heavy family down the way. And that was my family, and that was the way things were for me. I, um, I definitely remember as a child <clears throat> with, um, with having an alcoholic father, it was something that I really knew in my heart I didn't want to be. I never wanted to become an alcoholic. I wanted to be, you know, I didn't want that. But... It was so crazy sometimes in my household that, you know, the only thing that all of us did was we definitely knew how to eat. And as a kid, I would definitely hide food. I would take food. I'd bring it into my room, and, and I'd have, you know, copious amounts of dishes and, and wrappers and things under my, under my bed. And, and I learned how, at an early age how to, you know, steal money and go buy food, you know, snacks and my favorite things. And... Growing up, it was, it was always that kind of, you know, when my parents came home from grocery shopping, it was like, you know, you know no, all bets are off, and, and you'd fight for, I would fight for, you know, what we could and, and hide things. Um, now, at a young age, my, my siblings, my older brother and my younger sister, decided to kind of get into drugs, and, and then my mom was doing it, and it was really, for me, I was, I was adamantly against it. Um, I would just, I just kept growing. Um, I, I took my drug of choice and went with that. And I didn't even realize it at that point. I was just the big kid getting bigger, and, and through high school, it was just one of those things. Um, my, my brother and sister, you know, we were, they were all, it was, it was just one of those things. And, and it was really, for me, it was really a difficult time. I was really, you know, in that, in that stage of awkward teenagehood and being the only one in my family that wasn't a drug addict. And um, it was just, I was really isolated. I really felt myself isolated, and I really learned at an early age how to isolate and how to use food to isolate with. Um, it really was easy. It, it became this easy coping mechanism for me. Um, when I was 16, my dad died of a drug overdose, um, leaving my mom with, alone with my brother and sister and I. And we, we had to sell the house and move out and, you know, get a smaller place. And, you know, at that point, I was really, I kind of just threw in, the, threw in the towel. And I personally decided to pick up drugs and alcohol. I was, you know, 16, 17. At, and for my age, it was, I was a bit of a late bloomer. I had kids around me that were, you know, using far younger than I was. At which point, like, this is just my story. At which point, drugs for me worked because all of a sudden I was getting skinnier and I was losing weight and I'm like, hey, this isn't so bad. Um, and it, it, in my world, it was kind of like, hey, I kind of rolled with it. At which point, I really screwed up and I dropped out of school. And, and, you know, for my world and my life, it was, you know, at which point my mom didn't like it. And I, you know, I ended up just leaving home when I was a teenager and moved out on my own. And I kind of continued on with the, you know, like the food was always there. It was always this easy mechanism. But I had, you know, now I had incorporated other substances in my life. So moving forward through that, it really, for me, what happened is I found when I was in my young 20s, it was crazy. I found a 12-step fellowship to relieve myself of drugs and alcohol. Um, 
upon entering there, I, I, I went in and I decided, okay, you know, I'm going to do this. And I wasn't really, you know, all that interested in staying clean and sober. I just wanted to get clean and sober and see if I could get on with my life. And I got clean and sober and the food kind of came back in a real simple way. You know, it wasn't, it was gentle, but it just came back and I just started growing again. And I, you know, my first day of AA, there's me and super skinny and, you know, my three and four and five year cake, I was getting the biggest cake of the, you know, of the meeting and I was bringing it. And, and that for me, you know, was this the beginning of this diet and diet and diet and how can I, how can I lose the weight? And yet I had this program, this 12 step program in my life, but yet I couldn't manage this side, but I could manage this side really, really easily. I, you know, for me, what I had gone to painways. I had gone to painway after painway, and it kind of worked for a couple months. And it just, you know, it was, you know, I would go into it wholeheartedly, and then I would throw it away. And I would just, you know, and it, and it was the kind of that beginning of the up and down and up and down and up and down. And I've got, you know, a lifetime of photos of me in my, you know, skinnier life, and my fatter life, and my huge life, and my, you know in between life and i and it's this whole cycle i i had this you know i did the 12 steps in the cellar fellowship a lot of what i didn't do is i didn't really grasp the concept of a higher power i put down the drugs and alcohol but i just you know i managed to do that i would go to step groups and go to meetings and i'd go home and i'd walk through the threshold of my kitchen and all bets were off i could live my life i'm now at home it doesn't really matter and I'm enjoying myself or I'm living my life, you know, and, I, and I'm doing all the right things, I'm thinking, and I'm just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, moving forward in my life, you know, a lot of years in sobriety and getting bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller, I decided to go ahead with um, surgery, and I had, oh, I'm going to get lipo done, and I'm going to get married. So I'm like, okay, I'm about to get married. I'm really excited about it. I got to look good for the wedding. No, you know, what do I do? Crashed. I kind of didn't work, so I needed a bit of surgery, and I saved up some money, and there, you know, that was it. I, uh, I had uh, felt I looked great, but it's so crazy to look at my wedding photos or just after surgery. I was massive. It was so weird. I was like, you know, th- this doctor decided to take my money, and, you know, and I felt in my mind that I actually physically looked, you know, I looked great, but I was, you know, I was far bigger than I am now. And... Uh, I got married, and, and that happened, and right after, it was just, again, all bets were off, and I was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And for me, like I say, I've got a whole family of, of big folks. My, uh, now, I have a niece, my, my one niece I'm really quite close with. Um, she's a really big gal, and she says to me, hey, Uncle Sky, let's go and uh, join a painway. And I said, you know, hey, let's do it, let's do it. And then I was thinking to myself, I don't want to pay and weigh. I would, you know, I want. I know that there's a there's a free fellowship out there. OA. I kind of heard of it, and I knew I did, I could show up and I wouldn't have to pay anything. I could just sit in the back and throw my dues. And you know, it's like a twelve step meeting. I've been to twelve step meetings lots. And so I show up at a at my first OA meeting, and I sat in the back and, you know, and I heard the message of recovery. What I know, I know that you have to get a sponsor. I know that you have to get some literature. I know that you have to do the steps, and I know I've known this stuff. At which point it kind of freaked me out because I heard this. I heard the freedom of food. I heard people have freedom, from, and I couldn't even conceptualize what does that mean. What is freedom from food? Like I had no idea what that could even look like. So I decided, you know, I said, "Hey, I'm a newcomer," and a newcomer pack went around, and a bunch of you signed it and put your numbers on it. And that night I went home and I. 
I was sitting there and I phoned a couple of the numbers on that package. And, you know, one fellow I phoned and I said, hey, this is Skylar News. Where did you get my number? And I said, I got it off that, I got it off that newcomer's package that passed around. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I put my number on there. And it was, it was quite funny because, you know, like, I, am I the only person who's ever called those numbers? I, it was, you know, I, uh, I knew right away that, like, I had to do this. I had to reach out. Um, I know what I know how the twelve steps works. I know how the fellowship works. I had to reach out right away, so I did. Right away, I got a sponsor. Right away, I you know I started. I said, "What's abstinence? How do I you know attain abstinence? What does that mean?" Like you know, I heard a bunch of people in the first couple of meetings. Oh, I'm abstinent this long and that long. What does that mean? And how am I going to apply that to my life? And so I talked to my sponsor, and my sponsor told me what his abstinence was. And he said, you know, call a couple of folks and get, you know, just an idea of what abstinence means to you and means to us. And I got that. I, you know, I made this list, and there's a bunch of things I didn't want to put on, and I put them on. And, and you know, it was one day at a time, and I could do one day at a time. I could live without this food one day. You know, it doesn't have to be the rest of my life. And I, I went with that, and I thought, okay, one day at a time I can do this. Um, now... I'm doing this, and I'm, and I'm absent, and I'm, and I'm releasing, and life is good. I'm, I'm doing the program, and I'm releasing, and, and it's happening. And I've got a few months in, and I really, you know, I really found a connection with OA, and I'm, I'm doing this. I'm kind of, you know, it's a bit of a diet, but it's a bit, you know, I'm, I'm doing the stuff. What I hadn't done is I hadn't really, I hadn't really put myself into, like, the whole spiritual side of it. I just, you know, I chose an absence, and I did that. I, at which point, I went on vacation, and I was with some friends and, uh, and my partner, and we're off, and we're vacationing, and I kind of thought, you know, you know, I just, I kind of didn't want it anymore. I kind of did. I didn't want it, and I went out and bought some binge foods, and I brought them back to my hotel room, because I was on vacation. I'm on vacation. It's all right. You know, like, hey, you know, I'm not at home. I'm on vacation, and I brought the binge foods, you know, back to my hotel room, and I sat them there, and I looked at them. And I'm, and I'm in a different city, and I looked at them, and I said to myself, i got to wait 24 hours. You know, you guys have all given me 24 hours of your time to, like, you know, one day at a time, here we are. And I said, i got to go to one meeting. And I went to a meeting, and I sat in a meeting of a bunch of folks that I don't know, and they talked about freedom from food and their struggles and their this and that, and I'm free today. You know, like, I love OA. And... I went back and I got rid of all that stuff and I, I stuck through this one day at a time meeting and I, you know, at which point I said, I really have to figure this out. I need to figure out where am I going to get, you know, what am I lacking? And really where I was lacking is I was lacking on the spiritual side of it. And so I needed something to do. I needed some way of adding spirituality to what I was doing. And so in my mind, I was thinking, what is, how do I add spirituality to food? I couldn't figure that, I couldn't figure that out. So I went online and I thought, okay, Jewish folks have spiritual, like they use religion in their kitchen and Wiccans, you know, on some level, you know, they soak forks or something. I wasn't sure, you know, I knew Wiccans did little ritual things and, and I thought, I need to somehow spiritualize my kitchen. I need to make that threshold from the moment I walk in the door to the moment I walk into the kitchen. I need to make it a spiritual place and not a place where all bets were off. I needed to make it a special place where I could enjoy being there and my higher powers with me more so there than ever before. And, and I really decided that this is something that I got to do and how was I going to do it? And 
So I just decided, you know, like to, to, you know, give my kitchen a real good once over. I really made sure everything that was, wasn't supposed to be there wasn't. Um, utensils, you know, I was looking at things like my ice cream scooper. Like, this is, some, this is a, you know, a contraband. I should get rid you know, and I got rid of it. <laughs> this is something I don't need in my life anymore. And so little by little, I, was, I, had, managed to, I had managed to get rid of the contraband and the, and the things out of my kitchen and to spiritualize my kitchen. And I did things like I added a couple crystals, you know, and I put little things around. And I, it, and I did what, what's right for me. Like the things that I know in my own spirituality, I did that, you know, I added that to my kitchen. And at which point I was like, I needed to meditate as well. So meditation is one of those things that I was like, oh, yeah. Like I would say to people, oh, yeah, I pray, I meditate. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those things I do. But I did it. I said, I said it to you guys kind of in lip service, like, Oh, yeah, I do the steps, I pray, I meditate. And these are the things I do in my life. And, and I really kind of, I just wanted to be part of. But yet there was parts of my program that I wasn't doing, and that was one of them. I wanted to include that. How do I go from nothing to something? How do I actually sit down on a cushion and close my eyes and clear my thoughts and meditate? I just did it one day. I thought, you know what, I just, I'm going to try and, and I started with doing it for a couple minutes, and I set a little timer, and my, you know, the moment I set the timer, I'm like, what am I going to do? My head is just going. <laughs> and, and I allowed myself to, you know, knowing that, you know, the program works, and, you know, the only way of getting there is by continuing to practice it and do it. You know, today I have an, a really amazing connection with a higher power. I have a really amazing connection with, you know, the ability to meditate, and, and I honestly believe of all my years in fellowship, it wasn't until that I walked in the doors of OA that I really decided I needed to have a higher power on my side to get me through the days with eating. Um, it's one of those things that, you know, a whole bunch of recovery doesn't necessarily equal a whole bunch of spirituality. You know, it's for me today, you know, spirituality and, and meditation and getting rid of the ego of saying, like, like, Today, you know, like having to say, like, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to meditate. I'd like to. Um, how did I learn? I learned by asking people. I decided to say, you know what? I've been saying I meditate. I really don't. I heard you do it. Do you? And how do you do it? And, you know, I asked and I asked and I asked. And I put myself out there. And, you know what? I got some really great input on how it might work for you guys. And then I decided to make it my own. I decided to sit down and make it my own and do my own thing. I don't need an icon on a wall, and I don't need, you know, some this and that and tapes and all these things. I needed to do it on my own, my own way. And today I've got a really beautiful connection with that. I've got a really beautiful connection to the way my spiritual kitchen is absolutely my spiritual kitchen. It is a place that, you know, when you come over and, you know, if I was ever to invite you over to my house for dinner or for a meal or any of that, it's, it's a little bit of a process. And I got, you know, I managed to get this bell that I gong and it's, it's really a great thing. And I ring it and this, this ring, you know, goes through my house. It's just one of the things that I've decided to do and I've decided to take on. But for me today, it's one of the things that I needed to do for myself. And it's, it's absolutely, hands down, OA and, and being a part of the fellowship has absolutely changed my life in a huge way. I actually, um, yeah, and so, yeah, thank you all for being part of my, my program. I just wanted to finish up with saying that I'm in, uh, in Region 1, and my Sea to Sky intergroup is having their intergroup meeting today. 
And I just got a text message not too long ago that I've just been voted in as the World Service Delegate for my, my, my area. And, uh, yeah. And I'm really, really excited about it. And, you know, with that, I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to get out there and see some of you folks a little bit more. But today, you know what? If, it's, if you're struggling with OA, you know, one day at a time is all you need. You don't need a lifetime of changes. You don't need to one day wish that it's all going to take place. You know? If you can make it till the end of tonight, you got tomorrow to start a new day. And it's, you know, one day at a time is all we have to do. And that's the greatest thing of this fellowship. It's just, you know, one day, you know, I wish you all another 24 hours. And, yeah, stay absent. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Scholar. And our third speaker is Julie A. from San Leandro. I just want to say, you know, holy, <laughs> try not to swear. Um, my name's Julie. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm from San Leandro. And I think the topic is um, spirituality, prayer, meditation, and letting go of ego. And I just said, well, good luck. I'm, I'm not an expert on any of those things. Um, this is what happens when you say, oh, sure, I'll, I'll do whatever topic you suggest. <laughs> Don't do that. Okay. So um, I think it's important that I share a little bit about um, my story because I think that is, um, I think that's how we make our first connection. Um, I'm full of, I've been in over years namas over 32 years. I've been abstaining. If I don't eat compulsively between now and Monday, it'll be 28 years, okay? Um, there's always that possibility, so I'm not taking any chips till Monday, Okay. Um, and my top weight was about 200 pounds because I quit weighing after, you know, it's like, it's just more bad news. Um, 200 pounds. My bottom weight was 98 pounds. I've been everything in between. So here's the Reader's Digest version of, um, what happened to me. It's, you know, I was a fat baby, a fat kid, a fat teenager with a brief growth spurt, and then a fat young adult, and I got to Overeaters Anonymous after trying several commercial weight loss programs, one which said they would electroshock my arm, and um, I would, you know, lose weight. So I paid about $350 to lose four pounds, and... Um, <laughs> And, um, and I tried the commercial weight loss program that, that worked once, five or six times. Uh, it worked once. I, mean, I maintained the weight for a full four hours and then began eating again, okay? And, um, oh, could you have me that glass of water? Sorry. Um, anyway, so, all right, so I get to Overeaters Anonymous only after going to Africa and getting dysentery, which is a good manner of weight loss. The only problem is, is when you get back to civilization, well, there you are. And, um, and so I went to Overeaters Anonymous, and I heard the G-O-D word, and I saw the steps, and I thought they were, are they implying I'm insane? I have to make amends? Defects of character? I think not. And, um, but you guys were thin, and I wasn't. So I kind of started doing what you said to do, and... I got a sponsor, I called in my food, and I did all that stuff. And then um, I began eating again because I've, I didn't know what it was like to um, have a, a meal engagement with, al with, not alcoholics, but people who like to drink. 
when people drink, they don't give a hoo-ha about food. Now, I can drink and give a hoo-ha about food, no problem. But uh, I wasn't drinking, and I had had four ounces of chicken, a little baggie of warm carrots, and a little baggie of warm grapes at 12 noon. It's 8 o'clock. Nobody even looks like they're putting out the dinner. And so I grabbed the hostess by the lapels and said, can I help you put out the dinner? And I had an abstinent dinner and another abstinent dinner and another abstinent dinner. Went off to the event we were going to, came back to get my bowl because it was a potluck, and then helped myself to whatever was in the refrigerator. This is a stranger's house. I have no idea who this is. Their dog is growling at me, but I'm, you know, I'm just, I told myself, I'm just getting something for the road. Ever heard an alcoholic say, oh, yeah, I just have one for the road. Well, I'm getting some for the road. Thank you very much. And so I do that, and I call somebody the next day, and I said, well, I did eat sugar. Did I break my abstinence? She said, I think you did. And I said, thank you very much. I hung up the phone. I went directly to the grocery store, and I put all my weight back on. I came back to Overeers Namas a year later, and this time I didn't care if you were housewives. I didn't care that you were older than I was, and I really didn't care that you used the word God. I sat in the back of the room. I watched tears drop on top of my shoes. I couldn't look you in the eye. I was surprised you were still here a year later because I thought you get, then you leave, right? And uh, I was wearing drawstring painter's pants because that was the only thing that would fit. I had my dirty hair shoved up under a beret, and I was like Queen Elizabeth. I never took makeup off. I just kept adding the layers on, okay? So, um, So we do that, and I'm sitting there. And I'm hearing you people, and I remember hearing things like, this is the last house on the block, and it was. I remember hearing that you'd lost weight. And even though I didn't like the steps, and I didn't like, in those days, they said the Lord's Prayer in Whittier, California in 1978, 76. Anyway, so I held hands with you anyway. And I thought, if this will help me lose weight, I'll say the Lord's Prayer. What the hell? So I did that, and, you know, and then I came back the next week. I mean, when you've got nothing to lose. Um, And eventually, I got another sponsor, and I started doing stuff, and I learned the Serenity Prayer, um, and I went to lots of meetings. And so anyway, long story short, here's what happened. I lost my weight, okay? I had a food scale, I had a plan of eating, I had a food sponsor, and when they said to take the third step, which is turn your life and will over the care of God as you understand him, my understanding of God was not a happy one, and so I decided, okay, I'll do it as long as nobody's looking, so I did it in my living room, I looked around, no, nobody's here with me, I clutched the arms of the chair, and I looked up and I just said, okay, God, and this is through clenched teeth. I'm turning my life and will over to the care of you. That was my third step. And you know, God grades on the curve, in my opinion, because that worked. And that was pretty pathetic. Okay, but it worked for a while. But then, because I didn't proceed with my program, as in how do you know you've taken the third step, you worked the rest of the steps. Well, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is in English. Uh, I do, it is my first language, but I could not understand it to save my life. And neither did anybody else in my home group. Nobody was doing a four-step except one lady, and I didn't want what she had. So, um, so I didn't do that, but I kept getting thinner. And that's when I got to 98 pounds. And I would have kept going, except I went to an OA retreat with nice people like you. And I found out they lock up the food between meals because I had no effective mental offense against that first compulsive bite. 
according to the big book, the mental defense comes from power greater than myself, cleaning house, helping others. Okay, God help me, I was helping others, but I think, who knows. But I didn't clean house, and I didn't trust God, at least the God of my understanding. So I began compulsively overeating, and eventually I just said, you know what? I'm miserable eating, I'm miserable not eating, I might as well eat. And that's why we work the steps, in case you were wondering. Because when I'm not eating, I'm miserable. I'm beyond miserable. I am, I am, (laughs) I am Suitable for locking up is what I am. Um, I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. That's putting it mildly. Okay? So I'm 98 pounds. I'm crazier than anything. And I'm miserable, and I start eating. And I put on 16 pounds in six days and went to 98 to 200 in less than three months. During this kind of weather, June, July, and August, Southern California, yeah. So... For the next two and a half years, I came to Overeers Namas, and I prayed to God, please help me stop eating, and I didn't. Please help me stop eating, and I didn't. Please help me stop eating, and I didn't. And I was going to meetings, and I hated you. Um, <laughs> and I hated me, too, but you were more obvious. And that was the only time I would quit eating, and that's why I came, so I could breathe. Okay? And I got my, I, the first sponsor I got when I quit eating compulsively, which is... Still in the two-year mark, I continued to eat after this. But she was great. She was out of a mental institution, and I should have been in one. So we were a good match. And this is how a higher power works. This woman enabled me to have a, a, a abstinent Thanksgiving because I sat directly across the table from her. You want to abstain? Sit across the table from your sponsor. I guarantee you, you will abstain, okay? At least for that moment. So... One of the things I learned to do when I got abstinent the second time, and, and by this time, I'm in a couple, I'm in at least two other, I'm in one other 12-step program. I'm crazy. I'm unhappy. I can't stop eating when I want to stop eating. And I'm going to meetings, and I don't know what to do. And some little Valium addict said, to, I mean, she was like four, eight. My sponsor was like four, nine? Anyway, she, they were small. I like that because then they can't beat you up. Um, so she was small, and she, she let me know. And this is, I guess, the crux of what I'm trying to get at, praying meditation, a higher power. My understanding about this program, a power greater than myself, and uh, a higher power is love. It's love. I've never heard anybody tell their story and not fall in love with them. Okay? So that's why I do this. Okay, thank you. So she let me know that for some reason she thought I was worth it. I have always pictured God, and that is until just real recently, to a greater or lesser degree, looking at me with arms crossed and a frown on the face. I always think God is frowning. I don't know why. I just realize I do. I don't comprehend a higher power. I don't pretend to. I know the quickest, I know that you can please some of the people some of the time, but you can piss off everybody all the time by mentioning religion. And that's the thing this program doesn't do. It doesn't say you have to believe in anything, you have to go anywhere. It makes suggestions, okay? One of the first suggestions I took after I got a sponsor who was short, but she had what I wanted. She had lost weight and was keeping it off. Okay, you have what I want. Tell me what to do. If I knew what to do, I wouldn't be asking you what to do. So tell me what to do. 
And I think one of the things she said, and I'm not even sure now because this is a long time ago, but it might have been, is, or I figured this out, I don't know which, probably her, I started praying at meals. I think prayer begins at the plate. Because all you have to do is take one look at breakfast and go, that ain't going to be enough. <laughs> no way, you know. You know, let's get the Son of God in here to multiply this sucker. Okay, but, uh, you know, this just ain't going to cut it, if you're honest. Okay, it's like, you know, four ounces is like a deck of cards. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, I don't know if I can finish that. So I'm still to this day, 20, almost 28 years later, I'm still praying, oh, God. Please let this be enough. <laughs> Help me to enjoy and feel full from what I'm eating. And in the beginning, I didn't. I'm sorry. The monkey doesn't get off my back right away. I had nine months of wanting to eat with every cell in my body. Okay, nine months of, you know, sometimes four meetings a day. One day, I think I scared her, but I spent the entire day with my sponsor. I had to be within eye contact of her, or I knew I would eat. And so she kind of drugged me around in meetings and would have other people talk to me. And, you know, she thinks I was too out of it to remember that. She probably doesn't remember it. I remember it. We went to Alano Club after Alano Club because always, you know, we have one meeting at night or something in those days. And, uh, and I'm praying to a God I don't understand, don't know, in fact, don't like particularly, because I prayed to God to save my dad, and he died of cancer anyway when I was 17 years old. And he died on Christmas morning, which I thought was particularly in poor taste on God's part. And I just was like, okay, if this is God, when I really need him to come through for me with one of those, you know, Ten Commandments, Song of Bernadette, Boys Town miracles, like you see on TV in the movies, I'm from Southern California, I know what God's about. I really need this one, God. You can have me. I'll do whatever you say. Because I really thought God wanted me to be a nun in South Africa. I don't know why South Africa. I don't know why none. But I thought that was God's will for me. If I turn my life and will over, that's it. Fun's over, gang. And that hasn't been the case at all. Okay? So I start praying. And I started praying to her God. Her God was helping her. Mine wasn't doing much for me. So I was praying. I was praying to that God. And then I just did what people said. And I tell you, if you ever start exercising, you will start praying. Oh, God, let me do just one more setup. You know, oh, let me just make it to that next phone pole. That's all I ask. Then I'm stopping. You know, you will pray. I guarantee it. Especially if you try this thing called running. I, only if something is chasing me. Okay. So I'm just going to rattle off some stuff real quick. How much time, Amy? Okay, great. Um, some stuff. One of the things I found is sometimes, oh, when I came back into Overeaters Anonymous, you know, um, ego, it's all about me. I mean, ego is, it's all about me. You know, what do you think of me? What do I think of me? Um, and the truth is, is this program is just the opposite. It, it starts ego deflation the first day you come in and have to say, my name is Julie, and it sticks right here. I'm a compulsive overeater, right about the Adam's apple. Who wanted to say that their first meeting? Anybody? You know, hi, I'm happy to say I have something wrong with me. More than what's already obvious, you know. <laughs> Hell no. Okay. And then, you know, they pray at the beginning, they pray at the end. And somebody told me, okay, you want to pray every day? Go to a meeting a day. 
You will pray every day. Good practice. Okay, so on prayer and meditation, I'm just going to say a couple things. Um, there's tons of books, classes, lots of stuff. The only thing to do to do this wrong is to not do it. You get to do it badly. In fact, you should do it badly. Just do it. That, that's the only thing. And, and, and just know that, well, there's this, you know, you hear a lot of hokey sayings. Well, this one's pretty good. It's, you know, uh, I sought my soul, my soul I could not see. I sought my God, my God eluded me. I sought my fellow compulsive overeater, and I found all three. I know, but it's true. You know what I mean? Uh, you guys introduced me to a power greater than myself. You showed me what a higher power truly is, which is love and acceptance. I came in here pretty screwed up. I am still pretty screwed up. But love and acceptance. And we get to learn about that by extending it to others. Newcomer comes in. Say hello. Remember what it was like when somebody remembered your name? Huge. Okay? We already get to start practicing love and acceptance. When I start loving accepting myself, you become a piece of cake. When I'm okay with being a compulsive overeater, I have a lot of tolerance for you because I know the struggle. So one of the things a, a friend says to me is when meditating, I know that I've got anywhere between one to two seconds before I start replaying the movie of the week. And that's just the way it is, okay? But what they said was, is if you've ever seen a, a healthy, good parent, take a child by the hand and cross the street with them. They're not dragging them. They haven't got a grip like this. Gently and firmly. Whenever I go off track and just know you're gonna, you know, I don't know. If you haven't at least thought about what you're having for dare tonight by now, I don't know why you're here. <laughs> but... When you find your mind, go off track. Like you would a small child. Take your mind gently and firmly and bring it back. I'm going to tell you that to tell you this because I love this. There's a, um, uh, I don't know, a monk, okay? And what he said about meditation was this. He goes, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of distractions in a monastery, folks. You know, you're in your cell, you, wood, the cross, that's it. And he says, in 30 minutes of meditation, he goes off the track about 130 times. He says, so in that 30-minute period, I commit 130 acts of loving my God. Because it's not that my mind goes off. It's going to. It's that I come back to be with my higher power. That's why you make mistakes. Please do. God gets in through the cracks. And we had to be cracked pretty bad in order for a higher power to get in there. You know, none of us come in here on a good day. Okay? You know, it's crisis time in the year zero. I'm in pain. Fix me. Okay? And that's how a higher power gets in, at least in my experience. Um, and what we do is we just get to get in on this thing, this spirituality. How much time, Amy? Okay. Uh, as in, like, any of you guys been to the beach? Anybody been to the beach, right? Okay. You know when you're a little kid, you know, the first time you charge in, man, it's called a 
crotch full of sand and, you know, head over heels with the surf. But when you finally get it and you can catch on a wave, that's like this program in spirituality. The energy is of the wave. The direction is of the wave. But you, you can get in on it. You're not making the wave move. You are going with the wave. When we cooperate with the program, we are in that wave of spirituality. I'm going to say one quick thing. It may go over a minute, but I'm going to try and be really fast, okay? Um, when, um, when, uh, okay, when my husband um, um, visited our penal system in the state of California, um, <laughs> he found the program of Alcoholics Anonymous there. And what they told him to say was, thank you, God, for all you've given me. Thank you, God, for all you've taken away. And thank you, God, for all you've left me. And so he went back to his cell, and he looked at the gun tower. Thank you, God, for all you've given me. He thought about family who wouldn't visit, loss of job, loss of freedom. Thank you, God, for all you've taken away. And thank you, God, for all you've left me. And on his bunk was a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and meetings. And when he got out of prison and has now been out for over 32 years and sober for that length of time, he still says, thank you, God, for all you've given me. Thank you, God, for all you've taken away. Hasn't had to wear handcuffs in 32 years. And thank you, God, for all you've left me. Now, he told me that story when I was having a hard time with my concept of a higher power. I'm going to wrap it up. Can you guys give me like five seconds? Okay, great. Uh, I put on 100 pounds. I'm walking through the mall, there's all these skinny girls, and I'm thinking, my body will never look like that again, ever, ever, ever. And I'm in the shower, away taught me to bathe regularly. And I look down at my body, and I'm thinking, this is never going to happen, what's the use? And a small voice said to me, if you abstain today, this too shall pass. And I thought, but God doesn't like me, this is not going to happen. And my husband told me that story, and I started praying, thank you, higher power, for all you've given me, for all you've taken away, and for all you've left me. And today, I weigh 80 pounds less than I did 27 years ago. And I've been given more than I have time to tell you about. And what I've been left is the big book, the program of Overeaters Anonymous, and you. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. The meeting is now open for questions from the floor for the panelists. We ask that the panelists limit your answers to three minutes and confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today. The session is scheduled to end at 345. At one point, we had a group conscience of having about a five-minute meditation at the end. I will leave it up to the group to decide if they want to go over a couple of minutes if no one else throws us out. Was that a question back there? Yes. Question? Oh, yes, yes, I'm sorry. Come on up if you want to, or you can... I sought my soul, my soul I could not see. I sought my God, my God eluded me. I sought my fellow man, or woman, or people, and I found all three. I'll tell it to you after this meeting, if you didn't, that's too Anyone else?
Hi, I'm Barbara, compulsive overeater. And I think 10 or 11 are good for anybody. Uh, People that I sponsor, whether they be newcomers or uh, people that have been in the program for a long time, we read page 84 to 88 every day out of the big book. Um, And some sort of connection with a a higher power is what makes this program so, so it gets us out of ourselves. It makes it so special. So, yeah, yes, we work the steps, but we also read 84 to 88 and, um, and do the uh, prayer and meditation. Skylar, Skylar compulsive reader. Um, you know, for me, I find that I do, I'm constantly doing steps. I'm constantly doing step work, and I, I really love that one after another. When, we do, when I do steps, you know, when I'm going from one to two and two to three and three to four and so on, it, uh, it really validates the step before. It really goes in succession in an amazing way. Um, but yet at the same time, there is there's stuff in all the steps all throughout. So, you know, if I find that, you know, step 11 is working for, I'm working on step four, but I need to tap into step 11. I, I, you know, somebody who's done the steps before, it it can really bounce all over the place for me really easily. But if you're new and you're looking at the steps and you've read through the steps and you're thinking, you know, if there's stuff that you've already, if you already have the ability to add a little meditation or add a little thing, do it, you know, Add what you can and then just build on it. That's kind of how I see it. Like I would say whatever you can take out of all the steps, if there's little pockets of here and there, take anything you can, go from 1 to 12 in succession, and you'll really feel the benefits. Like the benefits from, the step, from steps are amazing, and I truly believe that. And, you know, over and over with sponsees and my sponsor, I, I love going through it, and I love getting to 12 only to start at 1. I absolutely love that. Thanks. I, you know, Skylar Compulsive Eater, I, there's, you know, I definitely have tried many different ways. I've tried a lot of stuff. I, you know, yes, I can sit on a pillow in my living room and I've, and I've meditated in the park and I've done things like that. There's, I don't think there's anything uniquely unique to it. I think I just, I attempt new things and, and build on it. It's kind of like a tree that it grows and it grows up and the roots grow down and, you know, the roots are, are connecting all of us and my tree flourishes. And it's, it's with that, that it's kind of like, that's how it's growing. It's just this growing thing. So more and more I, I meditate. There's no absolute to any of it. So, you know, just try it try it again, try it again, and try it a different way and a different way. And, you know, you find something that really sinks and really hits home with you, that you enjoy, and then it gets boring. And then you build on that. So you build on what works. And that's kind of how it's worked for me. It's one of those things that's just, it continually changes and grows and develops. I love it, you know, like, and that's, that's something I definitely got from the rooms of OA and the fellowship of like, hey, I do it and I, you know, and I'm like, I want to do it too. I want it to work for me. You know, how can I make that happen? And it's just a matter of like sitting there and it not working and it not working and then it kind of working and then maybe it doesn't work again. And then eventually it starts to kind of work. And you kind of go, hey, I don't mind this. You know, it's not so bad. And it's pointed out to me that I should at least uh, make sure the question gets on the tape. So your question.
Thank you. I heard of another way, and, and, I, and I use this also. Um, it's to either meditate five minutes a day, take the time out and do five minutes a day, or meditate one minute five times a day. And it's real easy, and, and finding the time to do that minute to just shut up and, and get to, and say, oh, you know, get to your higher power and listen to what the higher power has to say. That's, that works, too. Just real quick. Um, okay. My sponsor, well, the f- thing she told me was um, 30 minutes with a newcomer is worth all day on your knees. <laughs> I like that. However, meditation really is, it's, it's important to me. Uh, I wouldn't want to do without it. Uh, it talks about it in the literature, both in uh, both, you know, programs that we use the literature out of. And so, there's there's a million ways to pray. There's a million ways to do that. Um, ask people, just start. And I was told, you know, a little dabble. Do, you remember Brill Cream, little dabble, do you? Okay. If you only have one minute to pray and meditate, then take the minute. Okay? And you can build up from there. That's how I started exercising was five minutes. I really don't like going beyond that, but I do sometimes. <laughs> time. There's five minutes left. If there is any really, really burning question that somebody needs or wants to ask, we'll try and get it in. If not, then there was a vote to have a meditation for about five minutes. So I want to mention something quickly. The Saturday night dinner, doors will open at 6.30, not 6 p.m., so we'll see you there. And uh, if anybody needs or wants to leave early, if you would just do so very quietly. And what I'm going to mention, once again, I want to thank all our speakers for the wonderful... Experience, strength, and hope they shared with us today. And um, as you heard, I think at least have read somewhere that you know that outside help for different areas are very good. I would highly recommend if you have no one that you can talk to, to read books, tapes, find out something where you can learn a little bit more about meditation. I know from very, very personal experience, there is only one bad form of meditation that I've ever done, and that was not doing it. So. With that, if you've meditated before, uh, I'll let you know up front. I'm going to try. If anybody has not meditated before, I'm going to give you a very simple meditation to do. But if you've meditated, do whatever you want to. If you want to find a place by the wall, if you want to sit in your chair, whatever you want to do so that you can be very uh, comfortable in that regard. And uh, what I'm going to do is, is that if you have... We're going to take about five minutes to meditate. And what I'm going to do is give you a very, very simple meditation to start off with. It's, if you remember back in, you know, the beginning of school, you had your ABCs and your one, two, threes. We're going to give you the one, two, three, four here. If you just carefully and gently close your eyes for a moment. Make sure your body's comfortable. And the very simple meditation is, is that as you take, breathe in, do so on the count of four. So if you're breathing in, you would breathe in one, two, three, four. And breathe out. One, two, three, four. And breathe in. One, two, three, four. And breathe out. One, two, three, four. And just simply keep doing that. And if your mind wanders, just bring it back to the numbers again.
If you'll just gently start moving your arms and your legs slowly and slowly bring your consciousness, consciousness back to this room. There are many forms of meditation. Find one that works for you. And I'm sure some of the people on the panel can probably give you a little more direction if you wanted to speak to them afterwards. We thank you very, very much for coming here today and being able to share your experience, strength, and hope. We cannot do it without you. Thank you very much. And if we may, in closing, um, if you would join us in a prayer, if everybody would not mind standing and be able to join hands. I think everybody's ready. We're going to do the, uh, I put my hand in yours. And together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. If I could have your attention briefly for a moment, they may be setting up for dinner, so if you could continue your conversations with each other outside of the room, that would probably help the hotel staff. You know, if you can ask... Uh, sorry, hang on a second. Ask... Something is better for me if I did, and I just haven't quite got the evening meditation. Yeah, I know. That's the truth. Sure, sure. Yes, make your announcement. I was just going to do it. Hi. May I have your attention for a moment? In case you don't know, I haven't heard yet, our dinner doors open at 6.30. It says 6 on the program, but we need a little more time to set up. So please be patient and stay in a cool place until you get over to the horizon. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And could you please, please vacate and talk outside in the hallway. That would be nice. 
we have to start setting up for the show tonight. So could you please do me a big, big favor? I want to be nice. I don't want to throw you out. <laughs> Hello, Mary? Mary, would you? Mary? Hello? Everybody's ignoring me. <laughs> I don't want to. Hmm? Okay. Pardon me? No, I've announced it over the speaker. I, pretty soon I'm going to whistle. I know how to do that. Stick four fingers in my mouth and whistle. Hello. Would everybody please vacate the room? I'm sorry. We need the room. We need to set up for the show tonight. Thank you very much. Anybody talking up front? If you want to visit, would you please go out in the hallway? Thank you very much. We need to set up for the show tonight and the dinner. Thank you very much. I get you out, even if I have to carry you. Hey, guys. Hello. Would you please do me a